For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Friday, everyone. It's Be a Kid Again Day, and I am going to be a kid again, at least for the next hour. And I hope that our guests will allow us all to go there and we can all be kids again. I have some very interesting guests waiting in the wings, and hopefully that they will all experience their childhood. I'm going to bring up this photograph. This is me. As you can all see, I haven't changed a bit. Uh, at I was four years old when this picture was taken. I remember this was taken at Jerry Cox uh, in my hometown of Conway, South Carolina. Uh, my sister uh, was three years old when this picture was taken, and my sister... Uh, was uh, in a hospice uh, situation, uh, my parents were told uh, that she was not going to live. Uh, but thank God she survived. She's still with us. Uh, she just turned 60. Uh, and But my grandparents wanted to surprise my parents with that photograph. So we went to Jerry Cox and I had that photograph taken. And that photograph hung in my grandparents' home until after my grandparents passed away. And that photograph to me uh, symbolizes my childhood, everything that I, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, uh, everything uh, that was right here. And so when my grandmother passed away, uh, I as they were cleaning out her house, uh, I went to my Aunt Mary and I said, I want that photograph. And that photograph hangs in our living room. My husband, Danny, his photograph of him at the same age is right next to it. And I see these two little boys every day and I see the hopes uh, for both of us and we're still living our hopes. And I hope that all of you who are here uh, are living your hopes and your dreams. And that's what being a kid again is all about. And those of you who watch my show on a regular basis, and I do thank you for that, uh, you know that I began uh, almost all of my shows by asking my guests to come in with a photograph of them at five years of age. Because to me, the five-year-old self is the purest self. It's that point in a person's life before life begins to tell you who you should be or who you shouldn't be. And uh, it's, to me, a very important and a pivotal point in a person's life. And we have so many people here that I love. Rosa Puzo, Pam Stubbs, uh, Tasha Lombardi, uh, Jacqueline Anderson, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and Pico is here. So I'm going to ask Rosa Puzo, who is one of my dear friends, Chip Defa, I know that you're standing in the wings and you keep going on and off uh, like uh, Sandra Lee flitting around, uh, but please understand you have a very bad connection. I don't know what device you're on, uh, but hopefully you can get it figured out uh, so that we can have a real conversation today. Uh, but you need to be on a solid foundation in order for me to bring you on because you keep going on and off. So Chip, if you can hear me, that's the situation. So Rose, pick a number, one through five, and 
five years old being the optimum age, and we will bring our first guest on. It's like, let's make a deal. They are all sitting in the wings. They don't know who will be brought on. Uh, see, I can see Chip in the wings, and he disappeared yet again. Uh, so uh, Rose has picked number four. And she has just arrived herself. Ah! So Josephine Sanchez is here. And so Josephine, why were you late getting to the class? <laughs> I was at the pottery studio today. And uh, like, like, uh, you, like you say, tapping into your inner child, I love playing with mud. <laughs> Um, and sometimes you think you can get out of there on time, but there's always something that, you know, needs to get cleaned up or something that needs to be attended to. I think the, the clay is kind of uh, in charge. So <laughs> uh, I'm sorry for the delay. I really am. No, I'm, I'm just glad that you're here. I mean, it's been one of those days because in addition to this, I am doing a virtual uh, tribute to Don Pippen at eight o'clock tonight. Oh. After this, uh, as soon as this is over, I have a quick uh, audio interview that I have to do, and I'm planning Peggy Eason's memorial oh. on Sunday. So it's like all it's like the uh, the perfect storm is happening today. Mm -hmm. of everything happening and swirling all around me all at once. Uh. Uh, I asked for your five year old self. <laughs> I love this picture. I love uh, that. And yeah, do you remember the circumstances around this photograph? I do. I remember being in the studio. My mother uh, just wanted to take me for some shots, I guess. Um, so she brought me to the photo, you know, to, to the photographer's studio. Um, the memory I have is after the session was over, um, we were outside the studio and there was a big dog that uh, somebody was walking down the street with and I was afraid of the dog. So I, I you know, crouched near my mother and, and I ended up like running around her and the dog was running around her and the leash, you know, my mother was all tied up <laughs> in the leash. I remember that. I remember sitting on the stool. Um, there's another picture I could have sent you and I'm playing um, with my fingers because I'm bored, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door. Open the doors and they're all the people. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there's a picture of me doing this. Um, so yeah, it's funny. I, I, I do remember that day as if it were yesterday. So I want everyone to look at the eyes for a moment and <laughs> I'm going to say, no, look at the eyes uh, and then look at my eyes. It's the same eyes. There's <laughs> so it, it again, it is all about the innocence of that age. Yeah. Now, I do also want to let everyone know you are doing a show that's been getting rave reviews. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Celebrating Fanny Bryce. Yeah. And you said that you, uh, there you are, you've got the <laughs> plug there, but you have, um, I think you said you had two quotes. I uh, had one Fanny. quote. Yeah, you know, uh, if people don't know, uh, Fanny was was uh, very well known in the later part of her career for the character that she played uh, on the radio, Baby Snooks. Why? <laughs> exactly. Why? <laughs> yeah, and she was, and she was hysterical. And when I was preparing this show, 
Um, we were debating whether to include a little bit of baby snooks. Yes, no, maybe so. How do we do it and all of that? Um, and at first we thought, oh, I would look silly or it wouldn't work. I mean, after all, it was a radio thing, you know, here. And I would be on stage in front of people trying to um, recreate that. Uh, but it, what's interesting is when she played that part, she, show, she showed up in costume, even though nobody was looking at her except the people who were on set with her. Um, so she had that dress. She didn't just do it for publicity. Or maybe she maybe just put the bow on um, if she was on the radio show. But she, um, she said she was always very much aware of being two people both mother and child, you know, she was, she was very much aware of that inner child. And when she played uh, that part, she was that part. She just, she wasn't, you know, 50 something year old Fanny playing baby Snooks. She was baby Snooks. Um, and it even took her a while, you know, so many actors have the same thing. It took, took her a while to get out of that character, um, even after the show was over. So um, I think it's so important that we hold on to that part of ourselves and that we remember that part of ourselves, uh, not just the innocence, but the playfulness and um, the creativity. That's where it all comes from. It comes from that, that person who isn't who doesn't realize that uh, you know the, the the world is is calling you silly or or whatever um, for for thinking these things and feeling these things? So I, I love your theme for today. <laughs> well, I think those of us who are in our profession are very very fortunate because we do get the chance uh, to go out there and play act over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I was just in Provincetown this past week. Mm -hmm. And I saw so many shows. And with each of these performers, uh, first of all, it made me realize uh, how much I miss it because I have not been on stage in such a long time. Mm. But it also, uh, whether they were being, uh, whether they were drag queens or uh, uh, whatever it was, even singing a song and seeing those performers embody and inhabit those songs and the journeys those songs would take those performers on. Mm -hmm. And it is something that I think it's very important that each of us hold on to. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to ask you, I uh, have a surprise question that oh. I haven't looked at, as you know, I begin with. So I haven't even looked at the question. And the question is, um, I love this. And this is being childlike. What would your rap name be? <laughs> My rap name. Yes. Wow. Hmm. I have to think about that. Um, maybe it would be. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is the craziest question. Well, is there a formula like you know the last thing you ate plus uh, the color that you, you know of your underwear or something? <laughs> if you want to be a kid again, you can make you can make the formula anything you want. Anything I wanted to be. And since you're the first guest today, you can create the formula for all of our guests today. Oh. Oh. Gee. Wow. So I guess it would be um, the last thing you were doing. So I was I was in the studio and I was playing with Clay. So uh, Clay, Clay Motion. I don't know. <laughs> I have no formula. Clay Bryce. Clay Bryce. Clay Bryce. <laughs> okay. 
And I have another question for you, and the, uh, and it's a, the it, and it's actually an impact thing to do, and okay. the impact thing is to say no to something that you don't want to do, and sometimes kids are obstinate with things. I want to know of a a time in your life or career where you absolutely said no to something that you did not want to do that you regretted. Oh, that I regretted. Well, I have trouble saying no. So I thought you were going to go the other way with that question. So I'm trying to think of something that I said no to. I, I, uh, hmm. um, what comes to mind is, I guess, when my kids were, were little and, um, you know, knowing that I had the job that I, I embraced, you know, wholeheartedly of motherhood, um, but I, you know, I thought it was frivolous, the idea of auditioning, you know, for anything on Broadway or trying to get an agent or pursuing that. Um, so it wasn't a, a question, you know, that was posed to me, but it was um, the idea that, that the two things can't coexist. Um, the two roles cannot be played. And you see so many people who do it, not effortlessly, but they do it, you know? Um, and so I felt like, I feel like a lot of years, I let a lot of years go by before I, uh, before I said yes to, uh, to cabaret when cabaret was actually the, the, the venue and it was the, it was the place. I call it a sandbox. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough. Um, again, there you are. Uh, I, I, people ask, often ask, what is cabaret? And for me, uh, it's a sandbox. It's a place where we get to play. And, um, and there are other people in the sandbox just like us who, uh, who you know, embrace that and celebrate that and uh, want to play along with you. So, Well, I'm all about inclusion, and I want to bring someone else to play in the sandbox. So you get <laughs> to pull the number one through three. Ah, okay. Uh, three. And that will be Billy Terrell. And Billy has not been in the sandbox for a while because he, there were, well, we're not going to go into it, but he was off <laughs> of social media for a while and he found his way back. And I, uh, for those who don't know, I had the great pleasure of interviewing Billy on uh, my platform a couple of months ago. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny perceptions. And Billy, I hope you don't mind me going there. Uh, but I interviewed Billy and I thought it was a great interview. And then the next day I went to send him a, a note and I couldn't reach him. And I thought, well, there, you know, the first thing I think is he hated my interview. And no. it turns out that somehow he got bumped off of Facebook. Uh, through a glitch, uh, uh, through no fault of his own, just the weirdness of this crazy world of social media. But he's back now. So welcome back, Billy. And, Thank you. Uh, meet Great Joseph. to be with you. So, uh, Billy, you've been in this business your whole life. Uh, 59 and, uh, years. How many? 59. On July 16th, this month, it will be 59 years I signed with my first manager. I was 18. 
Well, uh, congratulations. And uh, I don't think we got a picture of you uh, at five years old, uh, but I always think of you um, being responsible uh, for Frankie Avalon uh, ending up in the Grease movie, uh, which is something that we talked about a little bit in yeah. uh, the last episode. And yeah. that movie was a lot of older actors oh, play yeah. acting like kids again. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. So, Billy, do you feel still feel that you tap into your inner child a lot? Yeah, I I do because of my the family struggled so poorly uh, in the early fifties, right through to the early sixties. For ten years, my father went broke, and it was a really difficult. Uh, and I I all through that childhood, I didn't realize it, but I was able to. It was, I was tormented a lot and I was able to create this other dimension. I mean, I, I created another character, you know, for myself. And I realized that later in life that, that I had a talent for becoming another person that I would be, you know, sliding off and, and having this it's like a fantasy world, but it was very strange when I look back. I guess I was fantasizing for uh, for a better time, but in a way, I was basically creating it, and I think that's what really led me to the business. And when I got when I was bitten by the business, it was just just a natural. It was just natural to me, and and the older I get, the, the more fascinated I am that. Uh, it really, plus I was, I, I always considered the process, the reward. So mm -hmm. I got beat out of a lot of royalty, royalties at a lot of difficult times. But, and people used to ask me, don't you hate it? I, I said, no, because my biggest reward was the process. And, I and love I the process. I, 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 and what about you, Josephine? Do you love the process of this business? Oh, I, I do. I mean, the process of, of putting a show together. Um, it, it's. Uh, I often, when I'm at the final rehearsal before doing a show, uh, it just comes over me. I said this to Jeff, Jeff Harner, who's my director on this show. And we're sitting there at the Laurie Beachman Theater uh, doing the tech rehearsal the day before. And I said, are, am I really doing this in front of people tomorrow? I mean, it, 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 it seems like a silly thing to say, but you know, it, it's the joy of putting it together. Is I, I love love that part of it. Um, performing, I love, but um, uh, putting it together is is uh, is where all the fun is. So, Billy, I'd like to ask you, what would your rap name be if you decided <laughs> to go into rap at this point in your career? Well, I guess <laughs> I guess it would be cool, Billy T. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's better than mine. <laughs> cool, Billy T. I want to ask you before we bring our next guest on: um, Has there been a point in your life where you said no uh, to a situation, and later on you uh, lived to regret it? And not not a hard regret, but I have to say that in the seventies when I was working after I came home from the war, because it was a very difficult time for me coming home from the war when I did, because we were just so 
you know, it was hard to really focus because I, I had a lot of guilt. I felt I had survivor's guilt. But anyway, to answer your question directly, I was in a band called The Spice of Life when I finally got myself to where I could work again. And I was working a lot of clubs. And I've always had this comedic personality. And in the, in the early 1970s, several club owners and several people took me aside and said, Billy, you're a comedian. You should, you should go there. And I didn't until I was 41. I didn't make that move. I think that if I had made the move to the, to the improv, because all the time I was recording in the 70s, I, I used to get, I was so intense as a music producer that I actually used to get sick on the way to New York and have to pull over and get sick on the, on the wow. highway. Wow. And, and several times in the studio in the early 70s, I, would, I didn't realize it was a lot of it was from the Agent Orange issues with my digestive system. But we had to call the ambulance a couple of times in the studio. So anyway, not to jump around too much, I, what I did in the studio after that, I started kidding. I started taking it lighter. I started having fun and sharing jokes with the musicians and everybody loved my, my persona. And so many people said, Billy, go to the, as a matter of fact, in the 1977 black blackout, I was recording at the hit factory and everything went out. And, um, uh, what's her name stevie nicks was recording in there with the, with the guys and everything was black so we all gathered on one floor and they had a lot of chablis in the refrigerators and everybody that was recording in there including fleetwood mac we're sitting there in the dark and i'm doing one joke after another and several people said billy go to the improv <laughs> so maybe i should have done it but when i started in 1985 uh, and I hit the comedy uh, scene. Uh, I caught on pretty well, so it, it all worked out. But I wish I had done that. Well, how many people can say, <laughs> "Where were you when the lights went out?" You can say, "I was with Stevie Nicks." <laughs> right. That's so. We want to bring someone else into our uh, into our sandbox. So you get to okay. uh, you know number one through three. I'd say one. And that is Ken Henderson, who has the most glorious sandbox <laughs> to play in, in Palm Springs. Yeah. You know, so you just moved to Palm Springs, Ken, speaking of uh, glorious backgrounds. So um, first of all, welcome to the show. And I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, and uh, I'm going to bring up your kid picture because uh, I don't think you've changed at all. And, uh, and we, uh, you know, first of all, now to go back, so there's my pose and there's this one. <laughs> so and you look the same. So what are your memories of that photograph? I remember that was my birthday and I was having a birthday party and I was waiting for my friends to show up. And, you know, as we get older, time seems to just go faster and faster. I remember that day just drug on. I was waiting and waiting. Felt like they would never show up and the party would never get started. But it did. <laughs> and, you know, and as I've asked before, when do you feel that 
I, I mean, do you feel that you're still tapping into that inner child? I try to. I mean, God, if we don't, we're, we're doomed, I think. With everything going on in the world these days, it's just kind of crazy. If we don't tap into that inner child, you know, that's what keeps us sane. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, and I'm going to say this, I mean, the first time that I went to Palm Springs um, and drop a name. I went out to visit Carol Channing and being out there, um, I felt first of all that I'd gone back in time because there's something about Palm Springs uh, that is just timeless. And, uh, but I felt that somehow I felt that I had found another home for myself and just the energy that's there and the people that are there and there's just a, a comfort level that's there. And I could, is that something that you feel all the time living there? Or uh, have you gotten acclimated to the fact that you actually live there now? I still sort of walk around sometimes going like, oh, I live here. <laughs> um, I mean, it's definitely coming from San Francisco two months ago. Um, first part of this year, I would just walk around going, God, it's too cold. <laughs> just get me out of here. Down here, it's like toasty, warm. Uh, I was just up recently for our last event. We did Broadway Bears, San Francisco Strips. And people kept saying, you know, what do you, how do you like Palm Springs? And I said, I haven't had a jacket or long pants since I moved here. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but you're right about there is timelessness because there's a part of Palm Springs that seems almost stuck in the 50s with all the mid-century modern everything. So there's always that sort of feeling of the past. And of course, there's a big history of Hollywood being here, the movie colony and, mm -hmm. and all these areas and stuff. So there is, you know, a big aspect of that. And so, Ken, what would your uh, rap name be? Had you <laughs> had a chance to think about that? Oh, God. <laughs> well, you were talking about it. I'm like, well, there's some rap too. Um, the, the name that popped in my mind was Kaneki Duet. Kaneki really? is Hawaiian for my name. And when you run a nonprofit and nobody else wants to do it, <laughs> guess who does it? <laughs> Good for so you. That's what I came up with. <laughs> and the other question that I've asked our other two guests is a particular time in your life or career where you said no and you later regretted it. Or do you have any regrets? That's a hard question because I can't remember saying no too many times to too many things. Um, I was, you know, I've been thinking about that. I, I'm trying to think. When did I say no to something other than like jumping out a window or something like that? <laughs> well, hopefully, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not one to really say no too many times. I'm willing to try most things and. See how they go. <laughs> that's that's my philosophy. So you get to bring our next guest into the sandbox, uh, if you will, uh, one or two. Let's go with two. And let's hope that uh, we're going to ha have a strong connection, and that's Chip DeFaw. Yeah. Now, uh, Chip uh, has a new CD that just came out, uh, singing songs from Tin Pet Alley. And there he has it. Uh, yes, uh, you have yours, Josephine? No, I have a different one that I believe. <laughs> well, this is his latest. It just arrived, and because I just got it, and we're gonna give one away today, aren't we, Chip? 
Yes, absolutely. I, I put another one in the mail to you for to give away. Yes. Thank you. And well, I want you to autograph it. So you've already sent it off. I just I went to the post office just before the show. Yeah. Well, I'll sign it. Uh, in, uh, I'll sign it with uh, regards from you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I do also have a photograph of you, uh, and I love this uh, photograph. Uh, here it is, and I love the pose there. <laughs> what do you remember about that picture? I, 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 I'd be lying if I said I could remember that picture. But I have a Facebook friend who lived across the street from me when we took it, and she she would probably remember it because uh, she has pictures of my five year old birthday party, and she'll 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 remember all the people in it better than I will, you know. So. And have, I mean, do you, uh, the same question, do you feel that you tap into your inner child? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're one and the same. I mean, I haven't, uh, uh, I, I never bothered growing up, so I don't have to tap too far. <laughs> Good for you. And what would your, ta uh, what would your rap name be? Oh, I don't know. I'm a, a Kid Chippy, maybe. Kid Chippy. That's a good one. I like that. And uh, and uh, again, and I should thank I should thank Josephine for buying uh, one of my CDs, a different one, but I'm grateful yeah. for three of them. She bought the Fanny Bryce one. The Fanny Bryce CD, yes, they did. You. And she has it handy, not even knowing that you were going I to be I did not today. know it was right there. Yes. I love it. I love it. So that's <laughs> great. So Chip, a, a moment in and you've worn so many hats in this business. Uh, I mean, a, as a journalist, as a critic, uh, as uh, a producer, as an entertainer. Um, has there been a particular moment in your career where you have said no, that you've later, you know, gone look back and you regretted that decision? Oh, oh there's only one and, 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 it's, and it's a big one. Um, Carol Channing asked me to do her autobiography and we, uh, to ghostwrite, because I'd just ghostwritten David Casty's autobiography, and Carol and I were very close, as you know, and you yes, were very close yeah, to her. that's right. And we had a couple meetings, and I I um, interviewed her, and she said, she said, this is going so great, you know, and it's it's wonderful that, you know, you're going to ghostwrite my autobiography. And I said to her, um, I don't think I want to do this. I'm, I need six weeks to get, uh, be, I would just, I just moved in this current place where I live. And I said, I need six weeks just to get out of my boxes and you don't need me. I just come in here and say, how are you, Carol? And you talk for two hours. That's I said, right. you can do that without me and you'll have the book done before I have time to do it. And she said, Oh no, Chip, I could never do it without you. I said, six weeks, see what happens. Six weeks later, she had finished the whole book, handwritten, no, no ghostwriter. And it was wonderful. And she said, I wish I'd done it with you. It would have been so much better. It wouldn't have been. It was, it was just her. It was perfect. But I regretted that I didn't sit on it. Carol Channing with Chip to Fob. But it wouldn't have been any different. It would have been, Carol, how are you? And she would have said, let me tell you about my father. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but you do regret the fact that, uh, do you think that it would have taken a different uh, direction if you had written oh, it? I, I know because what I proposed to her again was, um, you know, we spend like two years doing in-depth interviews and it'd be really uh, detailed and, and I'll check everything for historical accuracy and all that. I would have done like a, a scholarly academic more treatise. And she was more like, 
here's what I remember about Harry, you know, when he was the, when he danced with all the grace of the soccer player he was and, you know, and, and that's all it needed. It needed her own thing. And the funny thing was, was um, when she went into, uh, uh, she went to read, read the book to make an audio book of it in the studio. She's the only person this ever happened to. She wouldn't just read the book. She'd start on the manuscripts and they would trigger memories she hadn't thought about including the book. So their recollections in the book, it might say, and my father would sing to me songs. And then in the studio, she would start singing the songs and she would start getting to more memories. So the, the, the recollections for the audio book, which has never come out, are, are, are way longer than the book, but it's invaluable. And I have those. I have it on like 10 different CDs. I have it too. It, it's yes. like it goes on it's like and on. And on. <laughs> it's unpublished, unvarnished. It's like and she had a million more of these stories. Yeah. She used to do these one-woman shows, and, and I would go see them repeatedly, and they were never the same. They were never the same. One, one day she's talking about Mary Martin in the last years of her life. The next time I go see her, uh, she hasn't mentioned Mary Martin. She talks about Ethel Merman or whatever it is she's got on her mind. And... and uh, uh, but but I'm glad she got the book done. We we'd probably still be writing it. We'd probably still be still be working on it. And then she got it done. Just amazing. Well, I'm going to bring on our next guest, and she I mean talk about a legacy in of family legacy, Amanda Gary. I am so glad that you are here today and that you made it on. You finally got on here. What was that? I'm happy to be here, if only now, on my phone. <laughs> uh, you're here on your phone, but you're here. Uh, so, uh, and uh, I, I don't think I got a photograph of you at a, as a five-year-old, uh, but- uh, you've Well, got I have one handy. Well, I want to see it. Have you got that? There's a little Judy Garland there. That's right. <laughs> yes. I've so got... tell us about that photograph. Well- I was I was actually four, to be very honest. I'm not up to your your quite to your five standards, yeah. but um, yes, my father devised that little get happy costume for me, and uh, I would play and and sing in the in the bedroom, and he would do home movies and take photographs, obviously, and we had an absolute blast. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, tell them a little bit about your grandfather. And my grandfather, well, I'll get that. That's a wonderful picture. Do you all recognize the grandfather? Sure, Eddie Cantor. Eddie Cantor. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at, there, I was, you know, about, I guess, about nine months old. Um, and uh, uh, we, we shared the same face at that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, speaking about being a kid again, um, the fact that Eddie Cantor, throughout his career, he kept that uh, that childlike innocence in his performances, and and I think that that was his gift as an artist uh, that he never let go of that. Um, and you also are, are an entertainer yourself. Um, what did you learn from your grandfather that you uh, have you carried through your career? Uh, as far as the childlike innocence that you carry through? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, comedic timing. And, uh, and I'll tell you why, because I think something like that is inherited. And when my mother 
saw me in the very first show I did, which was Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. She gave me what I think was probably the greatest compliment she could have given me. She said, I thought I was going to see a good amateur, but I saw a true professional. And I oh. think it was all because I know I feel him when, when, a, when a comedic line comes on, I feel like I know where to hit those beats. And it's because of him, honestly. And you have another connection with Judy Garland and the famous portrait at the Palace Theater. Yes. My father painted that beautiful portrait and Judy fell in love with it. And once she saw it, first of all, it was hung in the lobby of the Palace Theater, but then she also used it on her marquee and her playbill. And it went on to fame and fortune with, you know, magnets and puzzles and lithos and you name it. <laughs> well, I have to ask you, what are your thoughts now with the fact that the Palace Theater has been lifted and that they are redoing the uh, facade in the opening, uh, the, uh, the front of the Palace Theater? Do you have any thoughts on that? I have very strong thoughts. And I, I think it's hard. I, I think well, hard. I'm in agreement with you. I mean, New York, I have to tell you, I, I grew up there. And uh, yes, Times Square was scary, for sure. But cleaning up of it, it also became Disneyfied. Uh, and it's now like a middle America mall. It's not even New York anymore to me. And yeah. that's part of it. When you take an iconic uh, theatrical thing like the palace and change any part of it that it's just, I, I don't know how there wasn't more objection, honestly. Uh, it, it blows my mind that they were able to get away with that. And yeah. uh, it, 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 it's heartbreaking to me. Uh, the first Broadway show that I saw uh, was at the Palace Theater. Uh, and I, I came to New York in 1979 and it was Oklahoma uh, at the 1979 production, uh, which Richard Rogers oversaw. And Agnes DeMille was, you know, involved as well. So, um, but getting back to our uh, theme today, uh, Amanda, what is your rap name if you were to have a rap name? My rap name is Amando Commando. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you a little bit of a background on that because it's kind of for real, but but at the, at the time it was a nickname, not a rap name. When I was little and growing up in New York, uh, I was on the, in the Upper West Side uh, when it was not the glorious thing it is today with multi-million dollar co-ops, right? And I went to uh, PS93, which was kind of a rough school. And there was a big kid in my class. I think he might have been left back seven or eight times because he was monstrous. And everyone was afraid of him. And he came up to me and I was kind of shaking in my boots. And he said, I like you. I'm going to call you Amando Commando. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, wow. So, and it stuck. And you and still stuck. have it. And you and still stuck. have it. So again, wow. I, as I've asked everyone else, uh, a moment in your life where you said no uh, that you later regret, or do you have any regrets? Um, I actually don't have regrets. The only regret I will say was not when I said no, it was when I said yes to getting married at 19. I shouldn't have done that. 
Wow. 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 Well, we're going to do a little round robin. Uh, you know, a lot's been going on in the world uh, over the last few weeks. We all know that. Uh, but here we want to have a little fun and uh, just uh, hopefully just give everyone a, a reprieve from all that's going on out there. Uh, and the word of the day is accountability. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, uh, Josephine. Um, name an instance this week in which you were totally accountable for your actions. In which I was totally accountable? Um let hmm. Well, why do you have to start with me? Um, <laughs> an instance I was totally accountable this week. Well, I'm totally accountable always. I don't understand how how there can be an instance. Has uh, there ever been an instance? Well, I'll, I'll rephrase the question a little bit. Yeah. Has there ever been a moment where you blamed someone else that you later regretted blaming someone else, even as a child? Because we've done that as children. I didn't take that last cookie. <laughs> uh, see here again I have a problem with the question because I am I tend to take blame that isn't mine I tend to make excuses for people wow and I have a very good friend who catches me doing it all the time he's like well it's raining today it must be your fault you know <laughs> Probably because you washed your car yesterday, or whatever it is, you know. I so it's funny. I I'm having trouble with with the with that question too. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, you can blame me for the question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy, I you know I have um, a calendar uh, on my desk. Um, it's uh, a um, uh, an affirmation calendar, and. Uh, this question, I mean, this uh, statement today, just admitting that something is a challenge uh, in my life often makes it easier to sit with emotionally. Um, and when, uh, and I'm reading an incredible book right now. As a matter of fact, if you're all around, this is a plug for a show later in the week. Uh, I have David Loud on the show, uh, who is an amazing Broadway uh, conductor, arranger, uh, and and he talks about his, um, I'm not going to use the word battle uh, because that's not a word that he uses, but uh, dealing with Parkinson's and how he hid it for so long. Uh, but once he admitted that he had Parkinson's and he confronted it uh, head on, it changed his life. And he said it really is something that he has embraced and it really was a great thing that happened to him in terms of the way that it uh, transformed his life. So I want to ask you, Billy, of a moment in your life in which there was something perhaps that you had hidden, something that caused shame or something. You don't need to name a specific thing if you don't want to. But how admitting it or heading it head on um, really you were able to embrace and how it transformed your life? Well, it took a long time. My, my biggest problem from the 60s, <clears throat> when I came back from the war in 67, uh, I didn't realize, yeah, I'm 22, and I didn't realize that I had a severe case of post-traumatic stress disorder. And... Uh, it wasn't until later in life, actually, it was in 2012, 
when I started to get really sick and a lot of my illnesses were related to my service in Vietnam and the Agent Orange that the VA suggested that I join a support group. And I really regret that I that I didn't have the opportunity or didn't know about or didn't have the wherewithal to say something is wrong earlier because it cost me it cost me a few marriages that probably at least one marriage that probably wouldn't have failed if I had addressed the issue. So I, I feel bad about that. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, on the upside, I, I was with a group for 12 years and I've sorted it all out. Now it, coming up on 78 years old, I, got, I have a handle on it and I'm not allowing those emotions to negatively impact my life. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. Well, good for you. That's great. Uh, Ken, uh, and also from this same calendar, and the, the statement is, the more I can quiet my mind, the louder my gut instincts are. Uh, in a world where there is so much noise surrounding us in the news and everything that we have going on right now, how do you quiet your mind? What's your solution to everything? That, I've found, is one of the most important things in my life, is being able to shut out stuff. Um, it was interesting because just having moved here and the process of moving, which was not fun, I had to tune out all the news that was going out of the world because I just didn't have time to listen to it. And I used to be a news junkie. I was like watching CNN, MSNBC, all this stuff constantly. And that allowed me to sort of like, oh, wow, I didn't really, I need to reconnect with what's going on in the world. But I just blank, blanked it out for a while. But to me, to me, the best way to calm down and tune out all that stuff is sit on a beach, let the breeze blow on me and just kind of like experience just the sounds of the earth, the water, the breezes. That comes me more than almost anything I can think of. And now I have a pool. I can all sit on my pool. <laughs> uh, I'm envious. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, Chip, uh, I also have a daily act of kindness calendar. See, I believe in these things. And it says anonymously leave a basket of goodies or flowers on a neighbor's porch. And I want to ask, when was the last time that you anonymously did something for someone just for the sheer joy of doing something nice for somebody? I, I used to bake uh, cookies on the first day of spring and leave them on people's doorsteps anonymously. And then uh, I had to stop because times were changing and I was afraid it would seem stalkerish to somebody. Do you know what I mean? But it was just a way of celebrating it and saying you're appreciated anonymous stranger but when one of the anonymous one of the people told me they got something from an anonymous stranger and they were weirded out by it i said okay the times it's, it's a little scary to sometimes even do an anonymous act of kindness but let me i want to mention something i'm so grateful that you're giving me a chance to meet amanda gary i never met amanda gary on this new album that came out this week amanda I not only made a point of singing two Eddie Cantor songs because he's one of my all-time favorites, which my mom said is because she was listening to all his records when she was pregnant with me. But on one of them, uh, Yes, Sir, That's My Baby, I, I brought in uh, Brian Gary to do it with me. So he's a guest here, and I had no idea I'd ever meet you or, 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 or you know, you, you're hearing about this. You're the first one to hear this. So anyway. Oh, my pleasure. So, there you have it. <laughs> and, if, and if you... It, being a cantor 
grandchild, if you have any interest in the album, give me your contact information. I'll send you one gratis. I would have sent one to your mom too. I knew your mom, but she's gone now. But yeah. uh, it may not interest you. It's only two or Eddie Cantor songs, but they're but he's part of the album and, it's, and his picture's in there to make sure people know he was always a, as a kid, I used to stay up in the middle of the night. They come on in a late, late show and I'd set the alarm clock for like 3.30 in the morning to watch Kid Millions and Kid Boots. Or, I mean, whatever the films were, you know, Strike Me Pink, Kid from Spain. Wonderful. See, that's a rat in the back of kindness right there. Yes. So okay. I, I love that. Um, Amanda, uh, we I earlier we talked about those moments of saying no. Um, besides the show, an instance where you said yes today. An instance where I said yes. Well, here today. What what I what I said yes to today, just today in particular. Well, uh, or this week. All right. What I said yes to was adopting a dog. Today. Yes, and I she's she's asleep right next to me. Oh and, no! What uh, what what type of dog did you get? Um, she's a terrier mix, and uh, I oh, I'm a big proponent of uh, animal welfare and adoption. And uh, it was a it was a big it was a big thrill for me to be able to to do this to save a little life. She was um uh, a stray on the streets of Ensenadas, and she was rescued and uh, the adoption people called me up and said if you want to come meet her she's yours wow god bless you for that well thank you uh, i'm gonna uh, thank you for that i love that um josephine uh what are some things that you realize about yourself uh as you get older uh putting the kid behind a little bit um things i realize is uh, more and more, how much we are, how much we are all the same, um, and as you get older, you meet people that remind you of people that you've known before, um, and you you know you have to be careful sometimes. I have to be careful not to assign the other person's uh, you know traits to that person and get to know them better. But it's very interesting to see. You know, if you walk into one situation, every situation has their, you know, a personality person or, or the person who, uh, you know, slacks off a little bit or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, there we, we have so much. Well, I think I'm, am I still there? No, oh, we, are, still here. we are. We are so much the same and, and circumstances um, just repeat themselves and uh, you know, in all of that, just be kind, be kind to uh, everyone you encounter and, and the world could, uh, be a better place. It sounds cliche, but it really is. It's the truth. Doesn't sound too cliche to me. I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy, uh, what are your expectations and desires, uh, for the rest of this year? Uh, we've just gotten through six months. I can't believe that we're into the seventh month of this year already. But what are your expectations and desires as we go through the rest of this year? Was that question for me, Richard? That was for you, Billy. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. What are your Can you repeat? And desires for the rest of this year. Well, my personal expectations. I've got a lot going. I want to get my one-man show up to another level. 
I uh, just recently, I was surprised. I was joking around for the last few years because I've had 59 records on the charts to date. And I was always kidding around that I wanted to tie Babe Ruth's record. And last week, I had my 60th record uh, uh, hit the charts. So I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. But I want to get the One Man Show better. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start up uh, really promoting my book again. We lost time with covid but yeah. I am uh, going to start working with Roger Neal in L.A., a good publicist. And, and I feel that between the live show and the book, uh, I'm, I'm going to get everything working. And I'm really, uh, I'm really positive about it. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. And uh, keep us Thanks. posted on everything. Absolutely. Uh, Ken, uh, Ken, who is the most interesting person that you have ever met in this business that surprised you beyond your wildest expectations? Besides me, of course. <laughs> that you've met in this business that i've met um well the most surprising person that i've met um i'm gonna say carol cook because um i didn't know anything about carol before the third year we were doing our, our novellas and carol somebody had talked about her coming up and um she all I had seen of her was like a black and white picture of her headshot, um, you know. And Carol, she she was Lucille Ball's protege. She got a long history in show business, but uh, I had sort of instructed people to like a driver would pick it up at the airport and stuff, trying to describe her totally inaccurately. Um, Carol never let me forget that I uh, had given the wrong description of her or, or misrepresented. How she looked, but she became a dear friend, and um, she's always given so many stories and so many things over the years. And uh, she's, you know, getting to a point where it's hard for her to perform. And uh, I sort of regret that I don't get to spend more time with her and see her. So she's an amazing woman. Well, I'm glad you mentioned her because she's going to be here on the 23rd. So, uh, yeah, she's my guest. Uh, I produced her last show here in New York. And uh, so we're going to sit and chat. And uh, you're absolutely right. There's no one like her. Uh, just absolutely. And I'm very excited about this. So thank you for mentioning her. Um, Amanda, uh, what are you, besides your new puppy, uh, what are you most grateful for today? You know, I'm grateful for my parents. Um, in, in doing the, the show that I'm doing currently, I, I feel like I've come to know them and love them even more. They were such wonderful, interesting, fabulous people. That's wonderful. And I like hearing that, uh, Chip, and this is, uh, our last question. Uh, what initially interested you about going into this profession? I, I, I was the star of a play in first grade and I was the terrible dragon and just hearing all that applause was the greatest thing in the world. I think that's probably the way, way it is for so many people. It is. And we're going to give away your CD and we're going to see who this is going to go to. Uh, we have a few people who have signed on for this. Thank you all for being here today. And this is going to go to Barbara Lee George, my dear friend, Barbara. Uh, and uh, you'll get in touch with me later and I will get this to you. Or better yet, Barbara will set up a dinner date and I'll give it to you in person. How's that? 
so I'm going to remove this. I want to thank you all for being here and playing in my sandbox today. Uh, don't go anywhere for a moment because I'm going to give you all a chance to give your final word for today. It can be anything about anything that we've talked about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with. And I will tell you how that's going to work in just a moment. But again, I want to thank you all for being here today. And once again, the word is accountability. And I think about how all of us are accountable for everything that we say and do, not only with each other, but as we go out into the world. When we walk through our front door, every single person that we encounter, and it's not just out there, it's here. It's what we say on social media, and it's how we interact. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Social media is about being social, and we can do it in a positive manner if we take the time to do so. When you see a post, especially from our fellow artist, I can speak, I know for Josephine, Billy, Chip, Amanda, and Ken, all any of us desire on this planet is to be acknowledged. And every artist out there that's in social media for the most part, they wanna be acknowledged. So if you see a post about a show or something, don't say, I wish I could be there. I'm not gonna be there because I'm doing this. Don't do that. <laughs> Just simply hit the like button leave a comment saying congratulations or something and share it. It takes very little effort to do that. And if it's something that's not going to, I always, this is my rule of thumb. Is it going to elevate me? Is it going to elevate them? Is it going to elevate the people who are going to see it? And if it's going to do those things, I share it. If it's not going to do those things, I hide it or I delete it because there's too much negativity out there and we are responsible for how we pass it on. So I always end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the third name on the list and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. As my dear friend Sean Moniger says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So <laughs> I've got to prepare because tonight I'm celebrating the great Don Pippen. If you're all around at eight o'clock tonight, please join me. I've got some great surprises in store. Uh, I'm going to leave the screen right now and I'm going to start with you, Chip. And then uh, when you finish, you will pick the next person and then that person will pick the next person and so on until there's only one. And when the last person is left, all you need to do is say goodbye and the final credits will roll. Thank you. Everyone make it a better tomorrow because it's up to each of us. We're all accountable. And Chip, it's yours. Thank you. Amanda, I wish they would bring your father's portrait of Judy Garland out from the Museum of the City of New York and put it in the revived live lobby of the palace. And also the wonderful portrait he did of Eddie Cantor, uh, who, yeah. who set a house record at the palace. That should be in that uh, for the time. That should be in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the lobby as well. That's my thoughts. Thank you. So Amanda, go next. Well, um, since we were talking about accountability, I just have to say we all know that the world's really in a terrible place right now, a terrible situation, especially in 
our country. And part of our accountability is to vote, vote, vote. I pass it on to you, Billy. Well, I agree with you, Amanda. I think the, uh, and right here in the state of New Jersey, the uh, dismal turnout for the primaries here in the congressional race, I think was abominable. And I think that, uh, I think that voting, no matter how you vote, what your ideology is, I think if, you get, if, if we're not going to step up and, and be part of the game, then it's just going to overwhelm us. But I would like to say quickly that I am terribly disheartened with what's going on to the great city of New York. Uh, I've been going there for 59 years, had a great time, built a great record career as a producer, and uh, I, I'm, I'm disheartened with uh, the way the city's going, that awful violence, the total disrespect, especially from places like the Paramount Theater. Uh, I, I think it's abominable that, that, that uh, uh, we're calling for uh, defunding police when there's so much violence in there. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that we can get a handle on this. I'm praying for that. That's it. Mm -hmm. You have to pick a person. Pardon? Oh, <laughs> Josephine, go ahead. <laughs> Just the next person. <laughs> Josephine, Thank go you. ahead. Thank you. Um, you know, accountability uh, is is the word of the day, and uh, the word that I have been using a lot lately is empathy. Um, and Billy mentioned it. You know, no matter what your ideology or what your um, you know what your what your beliefs are, um, it's one thing to to have a discussion with someone. It's another thing to argue and point fingers and and yell and scream. Um, and, and, and feel like the other guy is always wrong and you're always right. Um, empathy, empathy is a word that I like very much and humility, um, do all things, have all discussions with empathy, try to understand the other person's point of view <clears throat> and then you can have a, an honest discussion but uh, there's too little of that these days. So uh, practice kindness, do have all discussions with uh, empathy and uh, again, the world will be a better place. And of course, I've got to give a plug. If you can come and see uh, my show, July 27th and September 14th at the Lori Beachman Theater. It's a joy to celebrate Fanny Bryce. Um, and I hope that you can come and enjoy that with me. So I leave it to you, Ken. <laughs> well, thank you. Those are all great words and great sentiments. And I agree with accountability is a big thing. Um, and I think if we approach life as when we have these decisions, these big moments that um, how to act, what to do is choosing what's gonna make the world a little better place than where we left it. That, you know, we can move things along and just try to make uh, the world a kinder, better, more accountable and, um, more fun place to be. It's We've got a lot to deal with in this crazy world right now. And uh, if we can approach it with accountability and just say, whatever choices I make, is that gonna make the world a better place? We good. So with that, I guess it's good night. Mm -hmm.